Hello, and welcome to another episode of Shop Talk with Jeff and John. Hey, John. Hello. How you doing today? I am doing swell. Swell. So it's like uh, episode 14, and that's your like fifth or seventh different way of saying hello. So I think you're on a trend of changing it each week. I like it. <laughs> I think now, now, now the challenge is out there for you to make it happen each week. Well, apparently my creative director has given me... <laughs> some 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 tips some notes <laughs> well you know i i see the weekend at the end of every episode so you've got to have you got uh, I, I got pulled aside and i said look <laughs> look john you want to keep your job here <laughs> oh man crazy week weather's insane it seems like, and i know we've said this before we have nothing to do in california but complain about the weather it's either too hot or too cold and then nobody ever says, damn, the weather's just perfect. Have you noticed that? I mean, Jeff, the weather is just perfect. Okay. So you like it hot, steamy, and muggy? Oh, I like it hot. <laughs> I Steamy. Still hope we're talking about the weather at this muggy. point. Okay. <laughs> well, that gets us right into this week's topic. Um, just a little recap, though, because I don't know if you felt maybe, maybe, and I know we said that we could open it up and just uh, have a continuing dialogue, but I really enjoyed the mountain bike conversation. I've enjoyed all the bike conversations, uh, and I really like the fact that we talked about how it was driven. And I think the whole thing can be summed up, and I know we started talked about mountain biking and how it was driven, but I think the whole bike industry as a whole can be, it, it's, it's, it's rider-driven, it's technology-driven, and everybody, it all plays together. And, and like you, I, 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 I'm leaning towards that maybe the technology's there, and now we have people willing to push it. We have people willing to work together yeah. to make the technology more than what it originally was mm -hmm. and to do more, and that allows a rider to do more. And one thing I know that we didn't talk about, and I had it in my notes and I wanted to bring it up this week, is not only the technology driven it and vice versa, but racing and racers and their input, I think also is helping drive it, you know, cause like Trek, yeah, you're right. Uh, you know, with Rachel and her brothers and how they work closely in developing the bike that I'm currently riding, you know what I mean? Right. And then like Aaron with intense and how he has input right. and they making changes. So I think that used to be maybe the bike was over here, components were here, and then you kind of put them together, and then you gave them to a rider and say, well, see what you can do with it. But now it seems like the bike's here, the components are here, and the rider's here, and they're all kind of in a circle yeah, working. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, because it was the, the, the racers, the, the, the pro guys validated the engineering design. Yeah. Now it's a collaboration, and uh, maybe the pro guys are even driving the engineering design. And, and you know, and especially like on the, I don't follow cross country just because that's, I mean, and I know that's a big, big thing and a big draw. And that's, you know, the high schoolers, that's what they're all doing. But it seems everyone's more into like the uh, adventure riding or enduro riding or downhill well, riding. It's always been that way. It's always fun to watch crazy stuff. Yeah. Right? You want to see the Red Bull rampage them jumping off 40 foot cliffs right and landing and that's crazy right i mean there's only 100 people in the world who could pull off those stunts right right and 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 i know we talked about chris bender maybe offline before and so josh bender josh bender when he was hucking and just jumping things and how he developed and got bikes to 
companies to work with him and, and develop nine or 10 inches of travel so he could yeah. huck. And now these things, you know, and it's, it's come full circle. I think that uh, we're going to continue to see innovations because these guys are willing to let it hang out mm-hmm. and because they know that the yeah. bike companies have their back and they're pushing out products that's going to allow them. I still have a problem with the fact that uh, uh, bicycle owners can't keep up with this technology, though, and they can't treat their new bikes like they did with their bikes 30 years ago, 20 yeah. years ago, even 10 years ago. Well, it's funny. You see the bikes come in and you see the cars that they come off of. It's like, well, your car is immaculate and you take care of it and, yeah. you know, and right. you're not really... It's a big jacked up four wheel drive truck, and I don't mm. think you're shredding it like you're doing your mountain bike, but your mountain right. bike's rally. And, and there <laughs> go, I think that's where we're losing on the marketing side of education. Yeah, and keeping people informed. Mm-hmm. And, and you can see it in their eyes when, you, when, when people come in and say, this, this is going wrong, and you literally show them, well, this is why. And they're like, Oh. Yeah, but at the same time, they also don't want to know either. Yeah. They don't want you to tell them because now you just tell them, and then now they're like, "Whoa, wait a minute! I didn't want to do that. I just thought I just wanted you to get my shifting done." <laughs> like, yeah, but you know, there's like 20 steps to do this, yeah, right? And I didn't, I didn't mean for it to be my fault that the shifting's not working. Yeah, because I've ridden it 4,000 miles and haven't done a thing to it. And it's making noise, oh, it's so and there's crazy. seven, seven, seven pivot bolts that are about to fall out. And again, it would, it would, <laughs> it would translate directly in cars. Yeah, you know, I mean, like it would be really awesome to be a, a service manager at a dealership and to 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 see what kind of experiences they have with millions of people. Right, we're yeah. just dealing with a small segment the of the sm- population because everyone. Well, I say everyone. Everyone has a car. Everyone drives a car. Everyone's driving a car. You know, so how many crazy issues are there? Anyhow, that's the recap. You you have a friend in that business. And he tells me a lot of stories. (laughs) So I think the perfect segue is we talk about all this technology and driven and and doing this and doing that. And the price of a bike to get to do what you want it to do, $2,500 and up. Would you agree? Sure. At a minimum, twenty five hundred and up. Maybe. Well, hardtails still don't have to be that expensive. So if I were to be conservative, okay, eight hundred dollars and up. Eight hundred dollars and up. I know it's 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 way different than yours, but only just because of hardtails, and I don't want to leave hardtails. No, out. no, no. I got you. I was I, I didn't mean to leave hardtails out. I was I was because we were in that vein of of rampage and all that. Yeah. I was thinking dual suspension. Sure. Yeah. Right. Full suspension bike. Yeah. Yeah. So, $800, and that's, you know. Sure. Okay, yeah. we'll leave it at that. So we'll take that number there, and that's a hard tail. Now, let's, let's, let's go to the department store and buy a bike, and I can get, get one with a coilover spring, a shock, and, and all kinds of fancy-looking gadgets, and it costs me $189. What in the world is going on there? You mean that Shimano bike? <laughs> and sometimes it's... Shinano bikes, yeah, yeah, are your, yeah, you know the yeah. Dy- the Dynaflex, the Dynacore, uh-huh. yep, the Pacific Racer, the uh, I don't know, we're all gonna it's you're gonna amazing. get in trouble because we're dropping names, but um, so ha- there's a huge difference, so right? ha- yeah, so, and that's a question we People get a lot, don't get it, right, right, um, it's hard. So what is the, what is the difference between your eight hundred dollar bike and my hundred and twenty nine dollar bike? 
I throw it to you. <laughs> I know. I know. It's just I don't even know how to. St- well, I know. Okay, I'm just gonna get myself in trouble in this in this episode. No, basically. let's just well, let's just just generically talk about big box or department store. Generically, I'm gonna get myself in trouble. Um, <laughs> okay. Okay. So <laughs> let me get my lawyer. It has. Um, it has everything to do with quality of materials, um, and the semi-engineering that is going on. So, cosmetics, aesthetics, the look of the bike is what drives the purchase. Not the performance of the bike, and nor the durability of the bike. So, uh, Walmart, Target, even Costco... um, you know they're 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 right now they're producing up to three hundred fifty dollar bikes, um, but you can get a bike for as cheap as even fifty bucks during Christmas um, for your four year old. Okay. Yeah. Um. Heck, let's even start with the four year old bike right now because I'm gonna I'm gonna take baby steps and and throw myself a softball here. So, um, our bicycles for a four-year-old are about hundred and hundred and eighty bucks, something like that, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you know, right under two hundred dollars, and it is using the or those bikes are u- utilizing uh, the same materials um, as a four hundred dollar bike, a $800 bike. What do you mean using the same material? Same materials. Well, okay. I'm sorry. S- the same production quality. Um, so, a kid's bike that we sell uh, will use um, uh, a high-grade uh, steel uh, frame. The steel tubing for yeah. the frame. Um, that's the same tubing that will again go on a four hundred dollar mountain bike that we'll will sell at the very at the very bottom end of the spectrum. Okay. Okay. Material. I mean, the, I got the, you. the actual material. Yeah. Like just the the tubing and things like that. Okay. Um, and then the production process is is the same process as the higher quality mountain bike. So these bikes are designed to last a very long time, um, and they are also using uh, quality bearings. Or hold on, just even bearings for that nature, for that matter. Um, but uh, the, the, the certainly higher quality bearings, higher quality metals that won't warp on you. Uh huh. Okay. Now immediately. Re- uh, 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 now referencing what a $50 bike that you'll get at Walmart during Christmas is they don't even use bearings. They use plastic bushings. Right. And therefore your axle, your spindle is going to rotate inside this plastic bushing. And guess what? Plastic gonna, bushings going to wear out, wear out right? real quick, real quick because of always moving however as soon as you put any weight on it uh 
plastic piece cannot bear the weight of anything other than a, I don't know, 40-pound kid or something like that. So they're using plastic bushings, and then they're not even using, like, quality steel. I don't know how they have figured out ways to go with, like, cheap steel, but it exists out there, and that stuff warps. Well, and probably not just cheap steel, but I, I, this just keeps coming in my mind because I, I, I see it all the time. We get somebody come in and say, my brakes don't work on a lower-end bike, and it's like coming out of stamped metal. It's not even, Exactly. So and when you squeeze the brake and you rock the wheel back and forth, you can literally see the brake calipers flexing. Yep. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, yeah. So, ergo, the production process is, is different, right, on yeah. the $50 bike. So, whatever, they've used, they, they've developed new, you know, d- different tooling uh, to mass produce these guys. Right. And instead of humans working on or whatever, you got machines or, or you know, what uh, I don't know. I'm not a metallurgist, unfortunately, but yeah. however you do molding and stamping, um, stamping out metal pieces... That's what's happening. Right. These guys have have no strength in them. Yeah, none. You know, so they all have all the look of it, but no strength. I mean, and I didn't even realize that you can do, you can produce cheap rubber. You know, the brake pads. Oh man, you read my mind. I literally had, and then the compounds it's, on brake pads. It's crazy. And then not only the compounds on brake pads, and I don't know. I'm sure it's an inexpensive or cheaper way of doing things. Painted rims. They yeah. give you no stopping power. Right, but the painted rims makes it look flashy and also gets to hide all the blemishes from a crappy metal. Right. Okay. So that's the reason of painted rims. Sure. I mean, that's your that's your stab that's in the my, dark. That, that's uh, that's yeah, that's well, my probably, position. It's on probably it. a lot cheaper to produce a rim with everything just being robo painted, and instead of mm-hmm. then having to go back and sand the surface so that you have a clean breaking surface on it. Yep. And then take that painted rim with high gloss enamel on it with a cheap compound number three rubber brake pad. And oh my God, the no- and not only that, but it makes a hell of a lot of noise. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not only does it not stop, but it's very uh-huh. loud and annoying. Yeah. yeah. But so just th- think about that process for that $50 bike and even multiply that to what they're doing on these adult mountain bikes. Right. These adult bikes, period. And it's crazy, man. I don't get it. So let me ask you this. Um, we work on them. We see them all the time. They're, they're, they, they come in all the ways, and, and it's, you know, it's, it's a hard time. It's hard to tell somebody that it's going to cost more to fix your bike than the bike is worth. Because they bring these bikes in they've paid $89 for, and they want it to be fixed because they paid $89 for it, and it doesn't work. And now mm-hmm. you tell them that it's going to cost $120 to fix it, and they don't understand. But I got ahead of myself. Do you feel in that they have a place, that they're, that they, that they're important, or do they fill a need, or is it just purely uh, economical need that they fill, these department store bikes? Um, I don't know if I asked that question right. Right. So I, if, if the way I interpret your question, you know, like, is there a good reason for them to exist? Um, yeah, I guess. You know, I mean, type thing. Yeah. And yeah, 
I'll agree with it that they exist. Fine. You know, you just can't hold them to the same caliber as a normal bicycle. But that's where the art of misinformation lies for these consumers, because it's one thing to go, hey, you know what? I don't want to invest a lot of money into my bike, into this bike, because a um, we're not going to have it very long. We're going to use it one time, one, once a year. And even in that once a year, I'm not depending on it. Right. Um, it's not it's not crucial to my happiness. You know, versus, yeah. um, um, hey, um, I'm poor, uh, but I need to ride a bike to work every day. And so I'm going to go to Walmart and pick up this $80 bike and expect it to work every day. Putting, now you're nuts. Yeah, putting miles and miles. And, miles, yeah. And, and you're and relying time. on safety and you're relying. So now there's needs. Now there's there's expectations in this puppy. Yeah, so now you're you're giving an expectation to a to a vehicle or or a product that's not going to live up to your expectation. But do you think that maybe they don't the the people that are that, that buy these don't have expectations or are there expectations? Well, uh, there's certainly a good percentage of people who come in fully acknowledging, "Hey, you know what? I know I bought this at Walmart for 80 bucks and um um i just want it to be safe can you at least make it safe i know it's not going to function well and my level of tolerance you know or rather my level of expectation is very low okay right? yeah yeah no we so get that a those lot. are great people to have because yeah. they at least understand that I, I might get two uses out of it and then it breaks down and so be it it's the other other percentage of people that have every expectation that hey you know what I just spent eighty bucks of my hard earned money and it looks like a bike it rolls like a bike why can't I treat it like a bike right and in fact I feel like I really got a deal because you're trying to rip me off look at your bike over there it's four hundred bucks at least oh my gosh the two thousand dollar bikes cost more than my car right. And then, now what? You're screwed. Yeah, I mean it's it you're 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 set up for failure because you can't even tune up the bikes to function to their expectation. Yeah, no, that's that's that's. I mean, we talked about it last week uh -huh. or last episode that uh, just all the different aspects it takes to work on a bike. Now you've got a bike that's not even designed mm -hmm. to work, and that the client now expects you. Yeah. To be right, able to right. make the bike yeah, work. Yeah, and we have to now we have to also charge the money because we have to we're a business, we got to right. make money in some manner or form. Yeah. Um and guess what? You're paying for American labor dollars. Yeah. I don't know how else to say it. And someone might shoot me out there, but I, well, I hope not. Well, may, there come on. There's <laughs> got to be a socialist out there listening. But <laughs> You're paying American labor dollars. So in order to continue paying people American labor dollars and to pay for rent and to pay for this and to also still keep a profit, yeah, it's going to cost an amount of money. And then therefore, uh, to even tune up a bicycle right now, we charge $85 for a standard tune-up just to make it safe. Yeah. 
Your bike, you just bought your bike for eighty dollars. <laughs> even okay, let's just say, say you didn't even buy your bike for eighty dollars. You bought it for one hundred and twenty-five. Right. Oh my gosh, still. And therefore, this creates that 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 circular, self-fulfilling prophecy thing. That wait a minute, um, I am gonna buy a bike. I'm gonna use it until uh, uh until it needs service. And then instead of servicing it, I'm going to throw it away. I'm going to buy another bike of the same quality again, and I'm going to use it. And then, so I'm forever going to buy a bike. It's almost like buying the printers back in the day for your computer. Oh, yeah. Well, you bought a $19 printer, but it costs $79 to buy ink but, for it. So uh-huh. you just go, every time you need a new ink, you go and buy a new printer. The landfills really appreciate it. Exactly. <laughs> no, I, that's you hit it right on the head, man. Yeah. So, and I know that uh, I've heard this, and it may have been dis- I may have misinterpreted it or not heard it entirely correct. And I'll ask your opinion on it. Is one of the reasons that I know we've talked about the manu- uh, the, the manufacturing and the, the quality of components that they use on on department store bikes. Um, is it also true or what what is the truth behind that they're not actually classified as a bike they're classified as a toy so the brakes may not have to work or they don't have the yeah. same safety mm-hmm. standards as like correct our bikes is so that's a yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a real um, thing so i mean i can't speak of 2019 but um i acknowledge know that in the early 2000s um the way let's see there are different tariff rates for imported goods. Uh-huh. And I learned this at Giant. So a bicycle is classified as a bicycle. Math here. All right. So a bicycle is going to sell for $500. And uh, the tariff, ultimately, it's a tax, right? Okay. Yeah. So... They're, it's going to cost 10% to import that puppy. So therefore, it's going to cost 50 bucks um, to, 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 br- to bring it in to the U.S. And it's going to have to fall under uh, certain safety regulations by the Consumer Product Safety Commission in that this is a mechanized whatever uh, piece of equipment and right. therefore needs to be safe. Okay, right? yeah. However, if you bring it in as a toy... A GI Joe, right? It could still be a five hundred dollar GI Joe, but you may only be paying a two and a half percent or five yeah, percent, right? Tariff. So let's just use five percent. Simple math again, right? So that that five hundred dollar GI Joe is I'm only going to pay twenty five dollars, you know, on the tariff tax, right? Right? Now, guess what? Because it's a toy, it's not going to fall under the same guidelines of a bicycle regulation of safety and things like that. And, and that's across the whole. I mean, everything about the bike, the brakes, the the, the everything, everything that's on there. Correct. The only thing I think that they the, adhere to is the reflectors. <laughs> well, I mean, so you so see, yes, the reflectors. Um, but like it as on a toy, still a toy just can't have choking hazards. Right. Right. That's yeah. what they're gonna again. It's gonna fall under different regulations. Yeah. But I mean, as long as you eliminate the choking hazards. No one ever said it had to stop. Yeah, that's yeah. Right, because that's a toy. So, um, yeah, 
so let me <laughs> let, so let me ask you this then playing devil's advocate or not even playing devil's advocate why then are they so popular and why are so many sold is it just purely an economical yeah people are looking at it i'm buying a five-year-old and i'm not a bicycle and i'm not wanting to spend 250 dollars on a five-year-old bicycle that they're not going to ride for two they won't be able to ride in two years pretty much makes sense yeah that's the deal right yeah i mean and then and, and i i totally sympathize with that because i mean I'm, I'm a parent i had to go through that right and um the first bike ish thing looking you know for my daughter was a play school tricycle yeah it was a toy yeah i had no expectations of it <laughs> it, it it hung out in the kitchen and she rolled around in it right. you know what i mean that was it right um, and then when she was what two or three, I was I was working at Giant, and so I brought home a twelve inch, you know, a twelve inch bike. Yeah. And guess what? I still kept it in the kitchen, and it became a toy for her. Right. Right. Even though it's a, it's a bicycle. Yeah. A really good quality bicycle. So, um, it's scary um, how bicycles can be classified that way. Uh, so that they can save money and things like that. Now, and then, I'm up, so what I am, what I want to say though is that I think in 2019, it's it ain't happening much anymore. That maybe that's not happening, but in 2019, I still feel that those bikes aren't aren't manufactured, aren't using good quality equipment. There's, for the durability of it, and it is meeting the bicycle. You know standard standards that more that, so than they were three years ago. Yeah, whatever. Ish. More, more more so than ten years ago, and they've all they've also been able to bump up their price point. Yeah. So instead of the eighty nine dollars, I think bikes now at the Walmart's and Targets they're like, going up to three hundred, three fifty even. Yeah. They starting at like one thirty nine. I think you see them now, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's uh, people are riding them though. They're out there. People are riding them. Right, you know, so it's just it's you gotta take you gotta figure out what that expectation is. That's the hard part, right? And and I get that, like I have a four year old, a two year old, you know, and then a seven year old, and it's like if I buy the seven year old, when she outgrows it, then the four year old can ride it. So you kind of have the hand me down. And that's always been our selling point, right? It's like, hey, this bike is gonna last generations. It's because yeah, certainly your kids can outgrow it, but if you have other kids. A, you can pass it down. B, you can resell the bike, I, <laughs> and, I, and with, with with still value on it. And one of the one of the things I've heard you say a couple of times when when addressing or talking to someone about the sticker shock, for lack of a better term, is that on an eighty nine dollar bicycle, and I'm just using that number because that number sticks out. They're, they're, they might not be designed to be repaired because th th you can't buy those inexpensive components that they put on there. Uh -huh. as, uh, us as, as, a, as a, our, our suppliers don't sell them. They, they may sell something along those lines, but it's going to be more, it's going to be higher grade. It's going to be more expensive. It's going to be something that's functional. Because the parts that we're going to put on was meant for a minimum $400 bicycle, not an $89 yeah, bicycle. And so... Our bikes, if you, the two hundred dollars, the one hundred fifty dollars kids' bikes are designed and and manufactured with 
parts that can be replaced uh-huh. that have higher grade parts and yeah. they're designed to be worked on and repaired. Yeah. You know, I, I like like the uh-huh. old like the old the, computer printers. They weren't designed to do anything and uh-huh. they were cheaper to throw them out and buy a new Just one. Just the other day, I mean, a guy special ordered uh, a cranks and bearings, you know, for a little kid's bike, and it ended up being 50 bucks, you know, for just the cranks and bearings. Yeah. Again, if you bought a, a, such a bike at Walmart during Christmas, it's 50 bucks. The guy just paid 50 bucks just for crank and bearings yeah. that are designed to go on a $200 And that's probably bicycle. the strongest and most functional part of that bike once it got put in there. Uh-huh. Correct. The stuff that came out of there was like forged and hollow and breakable. And, you know, now you're getting a, a solid one-piece yeah. crank that you can yeah. do tricks on right. or whatever. Right. But you know what? Okay. So I like talking about cars a lot because, again, we all drive cars. Not that I understand cars hardcore or whatever, but man, there's a difference of a Hyundai and a Kia versus a Toyota, a Honda, even a Chevy, you know? Yeah. No, I, I say that, you know, facetiously <laughs> because, you know, well, whatever. <laughs> American cars versus imports, but, yeah. but man, like, I. I know there's enough Honda, uh, Hyundai and Kia owners out there, so forgive me. But I do recognize that they're using a lot of fiberglass, plastic, whatever, that makes the curves of the body to make the cars look really fancy. Right. It's not steel. Uh-huh. Right. And how I know this, because multiple times of attempting to mount uh, bike racks on a trunk. Well, there's the hooks on the bike track, bike racks. And they're bending in the trunk. They're designed to hook into a steel ledge or steel edge or whatever. Yeah. Um, guess what? You can't mount these on Hyundai's and Kia's yeah. because there's about a quarter inch of plastic on top of the uh the bumper area right or yeah uh, uh, the, there's a quarter inch of plastic on top of this unfinished steel which that's the part that you need and if you ended up latching it on you're going to crack bend that whatever material that is that or if you is, do get it on there one bump it's going to give way and your bike's going to go tumbling down the street there are so many scenarios it's not even funny <laughs> and it's not designed for it right right but again kia hyundai they figured out hey you know what uh we can make a really inexpensive car that looks really fancy with all this plastic versus a real car that it's going to cost 30 percent more and, right. and even more than that and it's going to have legit hydroform uh, steel, you know, bumpers and, and – well, not bumpers, but trunks and doors and stuff, man. It's crazy. Okay, so I, I, I want to kind of stay on that same vein, but I, I want to I attack it from a different way. And this is something that just recently we are starting to see a rash of hmm. at work. It's – not it's it's people coming in to buy a bike, but they're they're scared of the eight or nine hundred dollar bike, mm-hmm. but they want 
a bike. So they'll buy our entry-level bike. Sure. $500 bike. Yeah. So now they've spent $500 on a bike, and they think... <laughs> okay, go ahead. They think, I have a bike. And granted, they do. They have a bike. It has a, it has a It has a purpose and a design behind it. Right. To do certain things. Uh-huh. But... Correct me if I'm wrong. Have we not seen a rash here lately of people buying these bikes and then treating them, treating them like they're a $2,500 full suspension bike and just riding the bike above and beyond its capabilities? So, do you remember? I mean, do you remember back in at least the 90s when I so for 90s for me, I was in, I was a teenager, right? Okay. And uh, a lot of 20 year olds, it seemed, were buying honda civics and then they were modifying them to be race cars right yeah right yeah and i don't think honda ever probably imagined that we, this car was going to be treated like a race car yeah and i wonder how many lawsuits if there were any about hey you know what this car is not keeping up with my driving right and I'm unhappy with you, Honda, and your your dealership sucks because they're not going to cover the warranties and things like that. Yeah. So, go back to the bicycles. Uh, many people are buying this $500 bicycle, which again, it's a good it's bike. It's a good bike. No, but it's not. It, it it's it's being used in the wrong application, right? And right. so the application here is. Um, I just bought a Honda Civic, and I'm going to go race in the desert with it. Yeah. Right. And I, I, I and, and I'm gonna put big tires on it, and I'm going to modify everything. And why, why is the axle <laughs> breaking on me? Yeah. Right. Okay. So these people who have bought these bikes, they're 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 going downhilling on these bikes. They're yeah, it's insane. They're doing enduro or whatever. They're they're jumping on these bikes, <laughs> and this five hundred dollar bike can't keep up. Yeah, and yes, we're running into a problem right now. You know, there's a next there's a new generation of people right who are, are getting into the sport, and that's always the fun part, right? Okay, yeah, and it, this hasn't changed. Right, the, 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 you know, the, the, I could tell you stories, again, back from the early 2000s of this similar situation, right? And they're breaking these bikes. They're within even three months. These bikes are just getting haggard. Wheels are bending, things like that. Yeah. Okay. So, how do you fix it, or how do you how do you address it? from the get-go you have to have you have to inform them that this is the application and anything outside of that application is not what it's meant for yeah and now, i think and that, and that goes back to our, our training and you know when when you train it's like we always try to find the the intent of what people are looking to want to do and maybe some people don't even know well so this is where i i've been you know um criticized for being a little bit pessimistic at times, you know, in the shop, which is I'm talking, I end up talking about, you know, what you can't do on it, on the bike. Right. Right. And then it just, it, it comes, it, it starts to turn negative. Becomes, yeah, seems anti type of. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, because, you know, in any, in, in any, 
infomercial, right? You're always going to talk about how well this pan, you know, uh, 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 doesn't doesn't stick, right? And how well you can, you know, uh, p- put it in the dishwasher and no, nothing will happen. But it never said, hey, uh, please don't put this in the in the microwave because it's going to uh, electrify and blow up your house. Yeah. Right. Why? 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 Why would you advertise that? Right. Yeah. Right. So, guess what? I'm the advertiser. That's like, <laughs> hey, yeah, you can. This is a really cool bike. By the way, you can't go downhill with it. By the way, you can't take take a bath with it. By the way, you can't jump into a river with it. Yeah. By the way, right? By the way, by the way, and it's like, wow, geez, like, do you even want to sell this bike? Right. And I'm just going like. Believe me, I've heard this. Uh, I've seen this movie this too many times. I've experienced this, you know, over and over again. That I can't even imagine how many ways you can misuse this. So I just want you to understand: these are the common things that people are doing. They're jumping off of buildings with them. Yeah, and they're well, no, expecting li- like, the bikes to survive. I honestly, in the last couple of weeks, we've had six or seven. We have come it's in been, it's been there's been a rash and and like within their 30 days and you look at the bike you're like this right. bike is 30 days old mm-hmm. what are you doing with it right and nobody really wants to say you know i was just riding along uh-huh. and this wheel bent i don't know if that's true then you get them to tell you the truth and they're like oh no man i've been going downhill i took it to summit and you're like want to faint yep you, you you what yeah no we went to summit with it yesterday and uh now it's not working <laughs> It's not really designed for that, but yeah. Yeah. So why? Because they don't, I mean, they getting into it and their friends are doing it? Yeah, or? it's fun. You know, it's fun and you're on a budget and well, I mean, that's the deal. It, but as long as you take re- personal responsibility about it, I don't have a problem. Right. Right? I think it all goes back to like episode uh, three when we first talked about writing and we talked about... Uh, I know Vinny and I did, and I know I did, like, growing up, you know, we had the Western Flyer from Western Auto. You know, eventually you take the fenders off, and now it just becomes just a a stripped-down bike. But taking the cinder blocks and putting up plywood and jumping your friends, you know, you kids are always going to— Yeah, okay, so do you remember at least how many—did you ever break something, and who who did— who did you guys all blame? Did you blame yourself? Did your parents blame you? Or did your parents blame the bike shop and or the grocery store that sold you the oh, Western Flyer? Oh, no. It, it was it was the same old kids' excuses haven't changed in the last 45 years. But the parents were able to read through that and go, uh, and they were, so, were going to call BS on you. So what happened to the bike? I don't know. I was just riding. <laughs> Why is there a bald spot in this one particular part of the tire? Mm-hmm. Uh, were you skidding? No, I wasn't skidding. But but I mean, but now <laughs> I, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go go out and commit social suicide right now. But now the parents fully believe what their kids are saying to them, and therefore my kid's not gonna lie to me. Right. My kid's a, a great kid, and. Appar- uh, apparently your product sucks. Oh yeah, because he was just riding along, and and you can tell when when they come in that the mom's doing all the talking, the kids all quiet. Well, he was doing this, he was doing uh-huh. this, and you look at him and yeah. he's like kicking his feet and looking now, at his feet. Now, have you ever noticed <laughs> some of my technique? 
is I start talking to the kid. Yeah. Right. You know, and then and and you can't ask them a open ended question. You have to almost ask them an accusatory question. Right. And then that's when they they go, oh, wow, you just read my mind or you just looked in deep into my soul yeah. and figured it out. You know, and then now that, that that's when you, you at least get some acknowledgement from the parent. They're like, oh, that's not what you told me. <laughs> uh, kids doing things with bikes they're not designed to do. But it just it I don't I don't know. Like I said, I've, I've been there three years and it just seems like a very all of a sudden rash. That that it's a, yeah it's a different it's another generation of kids coming up right and, and, and I think correct me if I'm wrong but in in the area that we live in this area the uh, the mountain biking scene in high school is bigger than it was three years ago sure so and and now it's it's dipped down and we're starting to see more middle school kids come yeah, in and right. want bikes yeah yeah no certainly. Um, so does the that mountain biking is being cultivated very well in our area? Yeah, so that that's right? got to be adding to these totally. people buying bikes and totally. So it's like they may buy it for a specific reason. Oh, I'm going to join the the cross country team, but then they realize that all their friends are jumping and doing enduro stuff, and this is a bike I have. Look, so this is the bike I'm going to do it with. I mean, uh, speaking locally, we're truly benefiting from having a really awesome local trail that has been unsanctioned. We're not going to name any names, but we have a playground to go to. Oh, phenomenal playground. Right? Okay. All right. So that's the classic case of if you build it, they will come. (laughs) Yeah. And so it's been built. Yeah. And people are coming, but people are coming with, all levels of, bicycle. of quality of bicycles. Yeah. That's it. And the word is getting out about these trails. Even normal folks are getting in on it and going, oh, yeah, that's, that's where you go mountain biking. Yeah. Which is totally wrong <laughs> because it's a technical area it's it's not meant for beginners right but yet it's becoming known as oh you know that's where you take your bike to go ride mountain biking and that's dangerous well i mean and it and it doesn't help that when the high schools are in their season that they go there and ride that they do some training there and they they hit all the trails for training to give the kids all kinds of different varieties and experiences. Here's the problem, though, because there's no there's no sanctioned body controlling that area. All it's going to take is one or two more accidents, one or two more bad injuries. Yeah, that is going to shut that place down. Shut it because down. the 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 municipality or whatever is going to be like, well, uh, we are not. Um, going to accept responsibility for any of these lawsuits happening. Right. I mean, that's the reason why Snow Summit and Big Bear uh, shut down uh, mountain biking in 2004, 2005. Because it took one guy. It was right before I got out of the Marine Corps. Yeah, okay. So like 2004. Yeah. Yeah. So it took one guy to decide to ride off into the backcountry on the other side of the chairlifts and 
I don't remember if he got lost or crashed or died or whatever. A combination of all of the From above. all of that, it actually became a lawsuit. They sued Snow Summit. Right. And I remember the letter that was sent to all the bike shops and and whatever, bicycle industry-wide. Snow Summit sent out a letter and said, hey, you know what? Due to the litigious nature of 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 our society, we have been forced to shut down mountain bike activity, you know, at Snow Summit. Um, this was always supposed to be a fun thing, or something like that along that lines. Yeah. And um, uh, to put into perspective about revenue, one day, uh, one whole season of mountain biking revenue is equal to one day's revenue of the ski season. So it's not worth it to us if we're going to be sued. Really? I kid you not. So one full season of revenue for mountain biking was was equal to one one day day. of skiing. No way. Yeah. That's, I wonder if it's still, so when did they open back up? Like about three years ago, four years ago? Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Like right when I, right when I, I mean, it's really been ten years or something in that nature that they that they were closed. We're closed to mountain biking. Yeah, and then why? Any idea how they got it to back open or I just don't? I don't know. Huh? That number is astronomically dumbfounding to me. That, that a whole that's season. That's why I remember the letter. It was nuts, dude. Because one person wanted to sue for being not smart. Or whatever you want to call it. Well, I mean. <laughs> so for them, it was like, okay, it's fun, whatever, you know, and we'll make some money, right? Yeah. But. Well, yeah. you know, it's some, some it closes. And I and I, I think back to like what type of society we live in that when I work in a when I worked in a kitchen and that we would get a brand new grill 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 in that has open flame to produce heat in order to cook something on. And there's a warning, caution, service gets hot during use. Surface, surface gets hot during use. Like, does that really need to be explained? Yeah, it does. Because, you know, I mean, what is it, uh, two years ago, one year ago, there was a recall um, on our bicycles, industry-wide, um, for the skewer, the skewer, the front skewer, which is a quick release right. lever, cam lever that locks the bike, the wheel onto the, the, the fork of the bike. So it was used inappropriately. And the wheel came off and the wheel came off. And then people got sued or manufacturers got sued. And then there was a recall industry wide. Wow. Right. So hold on. Um, you're telling me that if I do not tighten all the lug nuts on my car's wheel, that it might fall off (laughs) and I could sue you for that. Yeah. I could sue Toyota. If, if, if I just put my wheel on and went driving and then put the lug nuts on or I put them on incorrectly. Yeah. That was insane. It's crazy. Yeah, if I don't latch the hood of my car and then it ends up opening on the freeway. It's my fault or your fault? No, it's Toyota's fault. Toyota's fault. 
Yeah, that's that's I I find a, and you know it may all stem back and and I know because we we discussed this in like ethics and law classes, um, the McDonald's and the hot coffee. Oh, totally. But have you ever read the case and done any research on no, that? Uh-uh. Th- that's a whole nother podcast. I won't get into that. But everyone just summarizes it to the fact that lady bought a hot cup of coffee and she burned herself and she sued. But there's way there's there's a whole backstory to that one. Oh really? Yeah, huge big backstory. And and it did come out that McDonald's was at fault because it all goes back to reasonable expectations and what's a reasonable expectation, you know, to a reasonable person. Well, McDonald's was superheating their coffee. Normally coffee's like 86 degrees mm. was the normal, was a reasonable expectation that coffee was served at. But that's when coffee was served at the counter and you drank it right away. While everybody was buying the to-go coffee at 86 degrees, by the time they got where they were going, now the coffee's 70 and it seems cold. So McDonald's, superheated their coffee. Instead of giving you coffee at 86 degrees, yeah. they gave you coffee at 112 degrees. So by the time you got to where you were going, mm. it was 86. So but she immediately spilled it. Well, yeah. So the lid wasn't put on, sets in there, and it spills in her lap. You get 112 degree coffee in your lap, it's going to burn Got sensitive it. parts of your body. Got it. And so that's so that's the whole history. It's like a reasonable expectation, and that's reason that like that term now uh-huh. is used in, in a lot in like which some and you might be right somewhere in that reasonable expectation is you know what there, you should be able to put a wheel on and not die. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, it's it, it's the nature we all live in. You know, I I always thought it was funny. You buy a you know a five hundred dollar chef knife, and the first thing it says, edge could be sharp, could cut yourself. Be careful. It's like. Cool. Thank you. Got that. Right. Um, you know, but uh, okay. Well, we digress. I mean, it, it all, all, certainly it, it. The whole point here is that you know, are the bikes made safe enough? Um, are they suitable for riding? That's yeah. And, and ultimately, and I think it boils down to to pretty much. And you get. I, I know it's a cliche, and you hate to say it, but you do get what you pay for sometimes. We know that. Yeah. Even sometimes it'll come out of you in their, their mouths, you know, yeah. the owner's mouth. But yeah. yet, what can you do to make it work? Right. <laughs> and it's so hard. It's a really hard one, yeah. you know. So our advice out there is, uh, I mean, look at, especially if you have kids, look at a bike that can be handed down, one that can be repaired, one that can take the abuse and is designed to be fixed. You know, and in order to get those attributes, you pay a little more money in the up, up in the front, mm-hmm. but longevity-wise, I think uh, your money goes a lot further. Yeah. You know, instead of buying an eighty-nine dollar dis- disposable bike. And if you are going to want to spend eighty-nine dollars, then just buy a two a two hundred dollar a used two hundred dollar bike. Yeah. You know, for eighty-nine dollars. They're they're out there. Exactly. You know, now certainly you got to be smart about what you're buying. Right. Still, you know, and because uh, if the tires are rotted and you just bought, paid 90 bucks for this used bike and then and now it's going to cost 50 bucks to put for tires. New tires and, okay, that's not a good idea. Yeah. But. 
It's, it goes with anything, buyer beware, do your research, know what you're getting into, and, you know, and ultimately think about what, you, what you're putting your kids on, right? Without That's preaching. A, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> apparently. Well, um, so we, so yeah, we, we pulled back the curtain a little bit on the evil empire and, and, and department store bikes. And, you know, I, I still leave the question out there. Do they have a place that's, that's up for each individual person to do, to decide or determine, you know, and real- I, again, I, I, I want to emphasize that th- th- there is a place for them. Oh yeah. I get it. Yeah, no, I, right? Exactly. Just gotta taper your expectations. Yeah. So with that, know, know what? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That that probably sums it up best than better than anything. Uh, taper your expectations, or don't you know? Know what your expectations are, and then realize that they might not be met. <laughs> well then, <laughs> that's like. That's that's like a saying for life at that point. <laughs> I think you could apply that to anything, right? You, you can. I will tell you this though. I'm actually looking forward to next week's episode. We actually have a couple of guests coming in and no, it's it not it ain't Vinny. It ain't Vinny. <laughs> Love you, Vinny, but you're not here next week, so you're not invited. Um, no, and it's, it's a topic that, that the two people that are joining us, we've talked, you know, ad nauseum about just because I, I personally don't understand it or see the draw, but I'm willing to have my eyes open. We're going to pull the curtain back on, uh, gravel bikes or cyclocross bikes and then, uh, touring bikes, touring bikes or adventure, adventure cycling, cycling. which is something that. I know you and I have discussed and we've planned mm-hmm. trips and one of our guests next week, you've actually done a trip with yep. and he's, he's so longing to talk about that trip. <laughs> yeah. His so, name's also Jordan. Jordan. We'll, we'll, we'll precursor this, you yeah. know, um, but uh, because there ended up being two Jordans at work, we ended up calling him JT. Yeah. You know, but uh, yeah. So JT will be with us next week as well as uh, another uh, guy in the shop, Cameron who does a bit of the uh, cycle cross or uh, gravel. So I want to see these guys duke it out. Yeah, because I think uh, I don't don't know if JT's like an ultralight uh, adventure cyclist or touring cyclist, uh, but I know that that Cameron's like uh, a weight weenie. Yeah, is he? Yeah, so. Yeah, I look forward to hearing what they have to say about this topic, and uh, I am prepared to learn. And be educated as as well as I, um, because I don't I I still don't get the gravel biking mm-hmm. thing because yeah. I, I want to do it on a mountain bike, <laughs> a little more cush for me. Yeah. I think I want those wheels on the ground. That's yeah. what the whole idea behind suspension is. Right. And and I am intrigued, and it's still something I want to do. And I know you and I are, are planning one maybe in the fall. I do want to do a bike packing trip or a or an adventure an adventure cycling trip. Yep. So. That's in the works. Yep. So I hope to get educated next week so that right. so that you, when you and I do it, it it's not a, a total cluster. Uh-huh. <laughs> so um, that okay. being said, uh, I think we'll wrap this one up and uh, call I it think so. call it a weekend. Oh, speaking of weekend, look, right there it is. Yep, that's it. You can see the weekend from here. Guys, have a good time. Get out there and enjoy life. Uh, ride a bike. Do something. 
Uh, Jonathan, thank you as always. It was a pleasure and enlightening. And uh, I'm looking forward to our next get together with uh, two other people in here and see how it goes. So. All right. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs> and remember to set, have your expectations. Just know they might not be met. <laughs> Thanks, guys. See you next time. Bye. Mm-hmm.